Welcome to the Run Against Violence podcast for 2022, where together we'll listen, learn and talk about how we can all take steps to create respectful relationships in order to prevent family violence in our communities. Hello, I'm Jen Brown and I am the host of the Run Against Violence podcast for 2022. This podcast covers the Run Against Violence, or as we affectionately love to call it, RAV, Virtual Team Challenge, as teams of walkers and runners have been virtually chasing each other from Broken Hill to Sydney, covering a distance of 1,300 kilometres over 19 days. I would like to begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the lands on which we live and travel through. Our route from Broken Hill to Sydney crosses from the lands of the Wiradjuri Nation in the west of New South Wales to the Eora Nation in the east, and I am recording this podcast today on Darug and Gundungurra country. We pay our respects to Elders past and present, and I extend that respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders who are listening today. Welcome back and thank you for being here. The 2022 virtual challenge wrapped up a few days ago now. I hope you're enjoying your recovery. This was my first virtual challenge, as I've mentioned in past episodes, and a few people, a few experienced ravers had told me beforehand that it was the best 19 days of the year. Between you and me, I think they were right. I have loved it. I have loved being part of Team Sparta Chicks and I'm already looking forward to being a part of it again next year. Now, speaking of next year, this is the very last episode of the 2022 podcast. I am sad to see it end. Bringing this podcast to you has been an extraordinary experience and such an honor and a privilege for me. Um, as someone who has never been exposed to domestic and family violence in my life, it's been a very steep learning curve. And I often hear Kiralee in my head, I have heard her say many times over the years I've known her, that once you hear the stories, you can't look away. And she's right. That's very much how I feel about this mission and this cause now. So before we get into this episode, I need to update you on two important numbers. And the first is our donations tally and target. So the goal for the Run Against Violence this year is to raise and donate $100,000 to NAPCAN, the National Association for the Prevention of Child Abuse and Neglect, to support their extraordinary Love Bites program, which you have heard about multiple times through the podcast this year. So currently, you, we have raised over $43,000, which is incredible. Now, don't forget, you can continue to raise money and donate to RAV and help us support NAPCAN and Love Bites for the end of the year. You've got more than three months to go. Now, secondly, the second number I promised to update you on is my favorite, uh, my favorite stat from the virtual challenge. And that is the combined distance and the number of times that you and I, we, Rav, everyone who has participated in the virtual challenge this year has circumnavigated the world. The number of laps that we have done around the Earth's equator. Now, fun fact for your next trivia night, the distance around the equator is 40,075 kilometers. Now, the results of the Run Against Violence virtual challenge for 2022 are, at the time I'm recording this, still unofficial. So this number might change ever so slightly, but as the numbers currently stand, 
we have travelled a combined total distance of, wait for this, 286,000 kilometres, 286,194 kilometres to be precise, meaning we have made seven trips around the world, 7.1, in fact, laps around the equator, which that's a little bit mind-blowing, isn't it? So if you're feeling a bit tired after the virtual challenge, that's probably why. So because this is our last episode for the season, we're going to do things just a little differently. Today, we're going to start with the team spotlight. So in each episode, as you know, we have been highlighting and hearing from one of the amazing teams who are participating in the challenge this year. Now, I wanted to start with our team spotlight in today's episode for a few reasons. Firstly, it's longer than normal. It's also heavy. It includes a distressing and heartbreaking story of one of our RAV participants. But more than that, I think it's a great reminder of the power of the conversation and why it's important to continue having conversations, to continue wearing our RAV gear, not just during the 19 days of the virtual challenge, but for the rest of the year too. My name's Colleen and I'm from RAV Team Tomaree Roadrunners. Um, We're based at Shoal Bay in New South Wales. Yeah, we've been part of the RAV Challenge probably since 2019 now. I went to a movie premiere a few years back and listened, actually heard Kiralee talk and gave a bit about her story. Um, and I think that was back in 2018 because I was really interested in it and wanting to join it, um, but didn't really know anyone when I was up here and hadn't really got back into running. So, um, yeah, I thought, I don't know 10 people, I can't join this. <laughs> um And then, so it set me a goal for the next year to, you know, get out there, start running. I want to join this cause. It's it's a really good cause. Um, And I think if we haven't been affected by domestic violence in some way, we know someone who has. So my background is I was previously in the New South Wales Police. So I dealt a lot with um, victims of domestic violence, um, domestic violence abusers, um, and going to court for them as well. So... Over the next period of time, I joined uh, and most of our team members um, have become friends. Um, It's the same people generally each year that we've had since 2019 when we joined and we all met through um, our local Finger Bay Park Run. And, yeah, so it became a a ritual that Saturday we'd go to Park Run and then from there we'd all go and have breakfast. Um, We would go down to a local cafe called Zenith Cafe here at Shoal Bay um, and over the time, I guess, just with different things and different situations, eventually conversations start, things come up, um, and there were conversations within our friendship group about experiences we've had or experiences that we we know of. We always wear our RAV shirts. <laughs> when we go to other running events, um, Port Macquarie Running Festival we go to quite every year, we all have our RAV shirts that we wear on one, one of the events that we take part in. Um, yeah, so we came together through Parkrun, through Tom Reed Trotters, and after hearing Kiralee's story, we thought, you know, this is something that we really wanted to do. We did the challenge originally in 2019. Um, then after we completed that challenge, it was February 2020 that Hannah Clark was killed by her husband, her and her children. We got together as a team and said, look, 
enough's enough. This is a perfect opportunity for us as a team to get together during this time and we put on our wrap shirts, we made up our own little running bibs and, um, yeah, we went out and we ran the 44 kilometres for, for Hannah and her children. So it was a kilometre per each of their age group. We got stopped along the way. We got asked what we were doing. We did laps of one of the local beaches, which we found out on the way after we'd completed it on the last day. Um, we'd had rain, I think, nearly every day that we went out to run for, for Hannah Clark. And on the last day, the sun came out running at the beach and when we came back we realised that the the road leading to the beach was actually called Hannah Street. So we thought it was really quite fitting that we were doing this for a really good cause. Um, So yeah then as I said previously we go and meet at our local cafe for post park run brekkie. When we were there we met one of the ladies working at the cafe um, and 2021 last year we put up our flyers, you know, we were trying to fundraise, putting up, it was a really hard time for our team because we always get together and do a long run on Sunday, most of us together. We do park run on Saturdays together. We have a group chat um, where we put up if anyone's going for a run or a walk so we can all join in, do things together. Uh, last year, due to COVID and only being allowed to be out with one other person, it really made it hard for our team to, to find the mojo, I guess, to keep going. And we've found it difficult because we do go out, we do wear our merchandise. On our last day of RAV, we generally all put on a white tutu, the boys included, uh, just to draw attention to ourselves to start those conversations. Um, you know, you're running in a group, you're all wearing similar clothing or, or the same thing. Everyone's like, what's going on? Is there an event? You know, what are you guys doing? It's our way of starting our conversations. And we do that. So last year, we couldn't do that. We put up some flyers in local businesses to fundraise and focused a bit more on the fundraising side of it because we couldn't start the conversations. Um, One of the ladies in our local cafe who has joined our team this year, she's actually joined under my name because I got injured. (laughs) Our team was full and we couldn't transfer the registration, so she decided to go under my name. She saw us last year, spoke to us and said, I'd love to join your team next year. This cause is close to my heart. Uh, Her story. She, I have permission to share her story with you and Christmas Day uh, last year she'd put a post on Facebook um, about how she'd had the best Christmas present ever she heard from her sister. She hadn't heard from her sister in a long time because her sister had been in a domestic violence relationship. When my friend Insa was 18 years old, her sister was about 21, 22. She'd had twins she was a single mother she'd met this gentleman they live in France she met this gentleman um, who became her partner whom she later had two children with and he pretty much isolated her mostly it, it was physical violence but mostly it became what we now know as coercive control he stopped her social media he took over everything um, she was unable to have contact with family and friends um, So Lisa was involved in this domestic violence relationship and was with this man for 22 years. At Christmas time, when Insa made her Facebook post, I think it was Boxing Day, um, I was out at a cafe and I saw her. It was the first time I'd seen her since I'd read her Facebook post. We had a conversation. I remember sitting, I was sitting down, she was standing up and 
I said, you know, that's really great news that you're now back in contact with your sister. You guys have reconnected. How how amazing is that? And she said, yeah, it, it is. It's really good. And then what she said after that sort of really took me aback. She she looked at me and, and she said, um, I'm scared though. She said, I'm scared that he's going to kill her. He won't let her go. I thought, what a horrible thing, you know, like you've had this amazing, amazing opportunity come back, person come back into your life after so long of not having contact with her. Um, and then we sort of continued our conversation a little bit and she was, it was an emotional conversation. She was, she was crying and we sort of hugged each other and I said, you know, I'm, I'm really happy for you that you've reconnected um, and I hope that everything works out. You get to go back and see her. She left, she left the cafe and a week later on New Year's Day here in Australia, she put a post up saying that he'd killed her. Her story, she's, I've, I've asked her to share her story. So um, she has sent this information to me. So what had happened was Lisa had... Um, left him back in August last year. She'd separated from him. And at Christmas time, he started having her followed. He found out that she was in a new relationship or had started seeing somebody else. Um, and he connected with her, asking her to have dinner with him on New Year's Day as a let's start the new year fresh we're going to be friends type thing. They had dinner and returned to her building. Once they got into the underground car park, um, he punched her a few times in the face. The autopsy has shown that he also hit her in the back of the head. He then placed her in the trunk of the car, then proceeded to go upstairs and get their daughter their 20-year-old daughter, and ask her to come and help him go look for her mother, all the while driving around in the car with her mother in the boot. Um, after he took Innes, the 20-year-old daughter, into the car with him, um, he took her to his house. So the father took his daughter to the house. Uh, there was a man there at the house. He put Innes into the house with this man and told the man that she was not to leave, he was not to let her leave. Um, he then left um, the house, leaving the daughter with an unknown man and from accounts we've been told that he tried to attempt suicide. He wasn't successful. Um, Innes then um, was held against her will for hours. She was begging this man to let her go um, she eventually convinced him and said, look, can we go look for mum? Help me go look for mum. As I was walking down the street, three other males were walking towards them. She managed to break free from him, run to these three men and explain what had happened. They took Innes to the police station. When they got to the police station, Innes saw her dad there. He'd gone and handed himself in to the police. Um, since then, their father has been is still in prison. He's been in prison now for nine months. Um, they're still awaiting a trial. 
trial date. They said it could take up to 18 months to two years. Um, all four children and the two children that belonged to him um, at the time, so the, the kids were 18, 20, and the twins were 24. They've all lost their mother, a sister, a daughter. To what? She thought she was free. She thought she got free. Our friend Insa lost her sister after only having contact with her for a week, after 20-something years. It was, it was horrific. Um, due to COVID, obviously, and the timing, Insa couldn't get back to France. She couldn't get over there. France held. There was, their community over there was amazing. They were amazing for the kids because, because the offence had occurred in the where, the where the kids lived in their part of their home and their building, they weren't allowed to return home. They had nowhere else to go. Um, the community rallied together and helped them out. They, they put on a white ribbon march, which was really hard because, you know, all this support was happening and was there and it as it should have been, but Insa was over here. You know, she hadn't seen her sister. She hadn't done any of that. So I contacted Kiralee and being a volunteer run director at our park run, we turned our park run in February white to show our support and to show Insa that, you know, she wasn't alone. She had the support of her community and that, you know, we'd, we stand with her. So it was a bit of a surprise for her. We didn't tell her that it was happening. Um, I got a bit in cahoots with one of her friends, Taylor, uh, who managed to tell her that we're just going for a walk. We'd gone to the cafe. We'd got her the day off work. Um, and when she turned up, we had a run against violence shirt and a tutu waiting for her. We made, I made white ribbons and yeah, we, we got together as a community. Um, we were fortunate enough to have co-founder from Run Against Violence, Brad Smithers, come out and do our park run with us that day. And it was, yeah, it was really lovely. It was lovely to be able to show her the support and to let let people know her story. And and she was she's all for it. She's very much all for letting people know her story, Lisa's story, and that it, it shouldn't be happening. Um, you know, our team has, you know, everyone's been affected at some point. And when this happened, our team really knew that we had to step up. So, you know, it's not, I know Run Against Violence Challenge goes for 19 days every year, but our team doesn't do that. We we make sure we wear our shirts as much as we can. You know, it, it needs to stop. It's, it's something that um, is just too common in Australia and throughout the world. And, you know, we, we all, actually, there were comments actually made on our team chat on the, on the first day of RAV saying that, you know, it, it was the sentencing day for the teacher's pet killer. You know, these people don't need to be named. People know of these people, but it was coincidental that we said, isn't it strange? And one of our team members actually went to school with them. So it was significant this year, I think, too, having Insa on our team, ensuring that, that she could be a part of this um, and, and knowing that these things happen quite frequently and sometimes things just all fall, fall together at the same time and you sit there and wonder there's a reason there's a reason why these things happen, why we meet people, why things come into our life. Um, our team, we have we have uh, a married couple today who are on the Great North Walk. They're running 
One's doing 100 miles and his wife is pacing him for the last 50 50 miles. So they're out there in their rev gear. Um, yeah, it's it's a great cause. Our team is we're, we're a team of 20 made up of so so many different different people, different personalities. But getting behind a cause like Run Against Violence is really important to us. After last year, I also joined, um, I'm currently working at an independent high school for students with uh, trauma backgrounds, behavioural backgrounds. Um, and after last year's challenge, I set up for our school to participate last year through online. So, again, it was Zoom meetings and, and getting the kids all set up. It was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, but very rewarding. Um, so students and staff all joined and we, we had a go at RAV last year. Um, this year we weren't able to get a school team together, but what I've done instead was last at the beginning of the year I applied for the Love Bites program. The, I joined the facilitators course, myself and an, a teacher at my school, and we've presented it at Swansea High this year and we're presenting it on Monday and Tuesday at our own school. Yeah, so we've taken on board everything and, and realised that we can get the word out there in many different ways. It's not just running, it's not just walking, it's getting the conversation started, it's educating ourselves and being able to educate others on, you know, what a healthy relationship looks like, knowing knowing red flags, things that might not seem like a red flag to start with. Um and being able to hopefully empower our youth to see that, you know, we can change this, we can turn this around, we can have a voice, we just need to talk about it. Don't keep quiet. If you or someone close to you is experiencing family violence, please talk to someone. You can call 1-800-RESPECT in Australia if you'd like to talk to a professional service or if there's an immediate threat to your safety, please call the police on triple zero in Australia. A change of pace now. So way back in episode two from this season, I was joined by veteran ravers Sammy, Mark and Natalie, who in that conversation shared their advice on how to rally the troops, how to organise your teams and how to stay motivated before and during the virtual challenge. So as we wrap up the 2022 virtual challenge, I thought it'd be fun to get them back on the show to reflect on what they've learned and loved about the 2022 virtual challenge. And because I know they're a touch competitive, I thought we'd end with a quick quiz, a game show to test their RAV knowledge. Here we go. Sammy, Mark, Natalie, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me back. Thank you. Thank you. Can you believe it has been over two months, two and a half months since we were last here? No way. It's been a zip. It's flown. (laughs) Seriously. We are recording this just a couple of days before the end of the virtual challenge party for 2022. But given we're nearing the end, I thought it'd be be fun to get you all back um, to reflect on the virtual challenge that was or that is. And then we're going to have, I'm very much looking forward to this, a quick (laughs) quiz game show style competition, because I know you're all competitive, to test your RAV knowledge. So... I'm looking forward to that. I don't know how you'd like guys feel about that. We'll, we'll um, see how that ends up. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we might all come unstuck. 
We'll get you across the line. We can do yep. it. Yep. All right. So let's start with this question. What have you loved about the 2022 virtual challenge? Natalie, why don't you start? Um, okay. I think this one, for me and my team, I think it's been really different. Uh, last year was still very COVID-y. Uh, and this year we've got a few changes in our team and I think it's um, there's a whole lot more openness and honesty with like wow this is what's happening in my life and I can't get whatever and like I was just on the phone before this podcast started to a friend who said don't worry I did 33 today I got you sister (laughs) because I was I put out a a, yeah she actually got a little bit sick afterwards too um uh, because I'd put out a call saying, wow, we've got this many left. It's approximately 116 Ks a day, which is what Kirli was doing by herself. And I looked at what I need to do and instantly you get somebody saying, I've got you or this is what I can do, you know what I mean? And I, it's a togetherness but it's slightly in a different way because we are really all stretched. Life is just busy. Do you think that that transparency and being much more open about what's going on in your lives is a function of we're back in face-to-face again? Well, I think I think last year maybe when we're talking about the function of that, then I think it was more the, the desire to connect for mental health. And this year because we're busy, um, the mental health aspect, yeah, maybe about being open to say I am snowed under a little bit, need a bit of help. So in that way, they're slightly different, the two years, but um, perhaps we've just become more open and some of us know each other now being a team. So that probably has helped a little bit as well. So, yeah, different experience, but all very nice. Awesome, awesome. And for those listening, if you can hear a little bit of feedback, like headphone feedback, it's actually because Natalie is <laughs> literally walking the talk and doing down, her kilometres while down we the talk. Street. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll move to a quiet street soon. Multitasking. Yep. Um, Mark, what about you? What have you loved about the virtual challenge this year? Yeah, sort of similar sort of um, theme actually in terms of being able to get outside and do a lot of our kilometres outside with, uh, with with COVID not being so much of a thing anymore. And um, two of our team have always been based down in Melbourne, so they were able to come up to Canberra just last weekend um, and participate um, in, a, in, a, in an event up here on the weekend. So that was cool to finally actually get together with them and, and, and for some or a lot of the team to actually meet them for the first time. Um, but then conversely to that, because travel is open and travel is a thing, we had the first week of the challenge, um, one of our teammates was, yeah, over in the French Alps on on a running tour over there. So she's logging kilometres um, sort of, well, I think the tour part had finished. So she was sort of in recovery mode in um, uh, recovery mode in Italy. So Strava titles were things like, oh, you know, running for pizza or running for pasta as she's running through Rome <laughs> or something. Um, and another one of our colleagues is in Jordan at the moment and ran a marathon in Petra 2019. You probably this wouldn't have been a discussion point, but yeah. but now with the last couple of years, um, people being away and coming back and going away is yeah, such a great, great yeah. And it's funny that FOMO has become what you've loved about the challenge, travel FOMO. I think we've all got that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) 
What about you, Sammy? You mentioned the last time we were recording that um, this is a very different year for you being corporate in-house at EY now. Yeah, definitely. It's It's been really good though I guess one of the things about being new into the into the EY office is that this kind of gave us a really nice chance for me to get to know the team a little bit better in a light-hearted way and um, talking more about it at meetings and things like that and the benefit was that a lot of the people have never had these conversations it's not their typical career path you know we have a lot of engineers we have people in health it's not exactly always um, their topic so it's opened up those conversations in a completely different realm which we're hoping has that ripple effect as they talk to their families and their friends and other people from EY and other organisations. So that's been really good. Um, and then I see the other thing more on that personal note is my daughter's a little bit older this year, so has a little bit more stamina. So we've actually gotten get out and explore different areas, different running paths and for her bike paths as I chased her along. <laughs> um, but it's been good to have sort of those conversations a bit earlier with her about why we're doing what we're doing and, and just get out together and I think she might be a little bit happy it's ending because I'm <laughs> close to that that 200k mark we're getting down to the pointy end now um and I think she's feeling the fatigue as well oh wow but what a special way to a spend like spend time together but continue that conversations with the next generation as well yeah and it's been great and you know she's talking about it at, at school about what she's doing so it's it's a good thing to have those conversations and it's in an age-appropriate way, obviously, but it's getting into schools, you know, her teacher's asking about it. So it's the little conversations that are picking up traction, which is really exciting. That is. And a second question for the three of you, and Sammy, you can start with this one. What have you, what have you learnt this year? What have you personally learnt this year? Um, personally, I've learnt I'm probably a lot more mentally and physically stronger than what I gave myself credit for. Uh, doing the gold, it was actually really nerve-wracking going into it. I think I spoke about that the last time I was on. Um, and just yesterday I set out and went, I need to knock some Ks off because we're coming into that last couple of days and did my longest run ever of 30 kilometres and I think it was, you know, mental market nice 15. <laughs> It was, yeah. Yeah, it was that 15 and then 20 Ks, you're going, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Um, but you're a lot stronger than what you give yourself credit for and you can keep pushing. And I think that was it around even on the flip side of coming from a team that isn't in the industry as well of motivating them to run and understanding that I think a lot of people have a fear of failure. So it's almost that they get this block of not wanting to start. So talking them through that and, and really giving them the context of why we're doing what we're doing. And this is really nothing compared to what people go through every day. So we can run or walk a kilometre or two kilometres or however much you can do um, and sort of motivating them and giving them a little bit more insight into their stronger than what they know as well. Mm. Oh, that's so powerful. That's really powerful. Um, what about you, Mark? What have you learnt this year? Um, I actually think something that I just sort of thought about yesterday or experienced yesterday and the power of the youth 
and how in tuned they are into um, so many different issues at the moment. Yeah, just at the back end of my run yesterday, uh, a friend's son was walking as I'm hobbling down a mountain. Um, yeah, and he's just just a couple of comments that he was making about um, knowing, I guess, frankly, how privileged we are to be able to have, you know, mostly, you know, warm homes and food. And the whole comment started because he had a stitch and he's like, oh, I've had too many chips, but I can't complain about that because, you know, paraphrasing, there's some poor kid somewhere that can't even have a slice of bread. And then that conversation just progressed on for the next sort of 15 or 20 minutes. But then just looking through the RAV pages today on Facebook, there was a, a post from this morning about um, one lady put up a picture and a little bit of a story of I think two or three of her daughters uh, uh, have experienced domestic violence in their life and they've been able to join a team this year. And I think between them they racked up about 100 kilometres or something and, and they'd been, uh, if I understand it correctly, they'd been pushing for a couple of years to be joining the challenge because they wanted to, I guess, learn more and, tell their story a little bit more about it as well. So, yeah, it was um, quite a powerful experience last night when I was yeah, deep into a fairly long run and and then seeing that that wasn't such an isolated experience and that, yeah, I think youth and the next generation seem to get how important supporting, I guess, issues such as this or, or, or anything else that, that they can is, um, yeah, sort of just how important that is. Yeah, that's amazing. And what about you, Natalie? What have you learnt from this year's virtual challenge? Um, I think it's important to what I've learnt, and it's something that sort of has um, filtered a little bit into the last few months as my role at work has changed as well, is to do what you can when you can. And um, you can't be everything to everyone all the time. I do like that saying. Um, with the new this new challenge in this year compared to when it was COVID um, and everyone sort of being busier, just generally busier. Um, I think that somehow becoming maybe compartmentalising and trying to support people, you know, that haven't been able to register their kilometres or, sorry, I just stepped on a grate, um, or, <laughs> or, or to support people in certain ways. Um, I might have had to reach out to somebody else to say, hey, can you help do this because I've got to go now do that, that sort of thing. So it's, I suppose it's more of a learning about myself and to say, hey, calm down, you just you can't have the reins all the time or you, you don't need to hold the reins all the time. You know, you've got to share it and that sort of thing and I think that's proper teamwork, um, you know, and we're all, I've got a friend that says everyone's a leader at their own level and I sort of believe that. And when you can see that someone else um, can have the reins, then you give it to them. I suppose that's what I've learned this time around for this event. And that was a bus. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, don't apologise. This is, this is it's the... It's live. We're coming to you live from this Newcastle. Live. Exactly. Live. This is, the, uh, this is the virtual challenge in action. Yep. And I was absolutely going to work somewhere pretty today. Uh, and I'm not. Uh, it's just the back streets. Yeah, it's black. It doesn't really matter. But the lake is lovely at all times of the day. 
Oh, um, good. It's just that I'll be closer to home when I'm done. But, yeah, I mean, like I think, um, yeah, like I said, with everything being so busy, mm. it's just been really, it's been, the feeling's been different, but it's not been worse. It's been, it's still been a good feeling in a different way. Mm. So. I love that. And yeah. that lesson makes me think too about that old adage that you can't pour for an empty cup. Like if you don't, yes. if you don't look exactly. after yourself, you can't help others, whether that's in your exactly. personal life or at work. So, so yeah. Excellent. All right. We need to get on to our quiz. I'm so right. excited. I have never been a game show host before, so this is my debut as well. Now, you here's how it's <laughs> – thank you, thank you. Here is how it's going to work. Now, I've got five questions. Wish us luck. Um, now, ordinarily, obviously the first one to hit their buzzer and answer it correctly would score a point, but um, obviously – you can't I didn't really get have, my buzzer. <laughs> I was going to say you can't really have buzz. I haven't sent you out buzzers. So what we're going to do is this. As we know, our starting point is Broken Hill. Our finishing point is Sydney for the virtual challenge. And the halfway point is actually just outside Condobolin. So, Mark, your buzzer is to say Broken Hill. Broken Hill. Got it. Natalie, Condobolin. Condobolin. Sammy, you get Sydney. Yes, an easier one. <laughs> Even though you're in Brisbane. <laughs> I know, I'll take it. Like, I get nervous when you and Carolee get excited. There's always some sort of edge coming. <laughs> so I think that's more nerve-wracking. Um, I take that as a compliment. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so as I said, there's five questions. The first one to air quote, hit their buzzer and get the answer correct, scores a point. Um, and the winner will receive, courtesy of the team at RAV, a $100 voucher to the RAV store to give to someone who you think deserves a little special extra. Okay, are we ready, team? Absolutely. Ready. Kadovalin. <laughs> <laughs> just you've got to test the buzzer out, don't you? Yeah, I was just testing the buzzer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Question one. What has been the most popular episode of the podcast so far this year? Broken Hill. Oh, Mark. I have no idea, but I'm hope I'm, I'm have no idea, but I'm hoping it's the other one that we did earlier. <laughs> I hate oh. to break it to you, but it, it's not that one. It's close. Can we do second chances? Uh, yes, Sydney. you can. Yeah. <laughs> can I go number three? Number three. I've even got to look up what number three was. Sandy. I'm sure it was around us. No, it wasn't Sandy's oh. either. Oh, Natalie? was it Love Bites? No. Love oh, bites. my goodness. <laughs> Which one was the most popular out of those then? <sighs> out of those three that you mentioned, oh, gosh, I haven't run those numbers. Well, Love Bites was only, like, to be fair, it was only on, like, it's been on less than a week. It's been on um, Saturday, so it's actually been yeah. on two days. So the yeah. correct answer was actually the episode with Sue and Lloyd Clark about coercive control and Hannah's legacy. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Question number two. Now, I don't know if I'm getting too tricky with this, but probably. Um, <laughs> the answer to this question has a decimal point, like oh. 0.3, 0.5, oh. 0.7, etc. Not maths. No, no, no. Not maths, oh. no, no, no. Not, maths not maths. You don't have <laughs> okay. to add anything up. So the person with the who has the answer closest to the decimal point gets the win or the answer. So in the first week of the virtual challenge, how many times did participants circumnavigate the world? How many laps around the equator did we do? 
I'm Dublin. Go, Natalie. 3.4. Okay, Sammy, what's your guess? Let's go 2.3. Mark. 1.9. Sammy. You're our winner on that point. It was 2.2 actually. So close. You get the point. All right, question three. How much money has Rav donated to NapCan and Love Bites in the last two years? Jovelyn. Oh, Natalie. 200,000. 200, yes. Ray. That is a shame. I should have got that one considering I used to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I was slow. I was slow with my buzzer. <laughs> the buzzer's broken. You got the wrong buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I was actually reading that question. For those listening, Sammy used to work for NAPCAN that facilitates, that organises and runs the Love Bites program. I was reading the question and then I looked at your face, Sammy, and thought, ah, drats, I shouldn't have picked this question. I should have picked a different one. All right, question four is a two-part question, a half a point for each correct answer. The merchandise for the virtual challenge this year includes a photo. When was the photo taken? Condoblin. Natalie. At the finish at the Opera House. Yes. Winning. Arigato. <laughs> so it's the finish line photo for when Kira Lee finished her epic, um, the original Run Against Violence from Broken yep. Hill to Sydney in December yep. 2015. Oh, let me just write down. 2017. 2017. That one. Sorry. Thank you. Okay, you don't get a bonus point for that one. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, part two for another half a point. That photo was a representation of this year's theme for the challenge. What is this year's theme? Oh, crickets. I have no idea. (laughs) Five, four, three, two, one. Bomb, (laughs) bomb. I need a buzzer of my own. So this year's theme for the virtual challenge is today's conversations are tomorrow's. Oh, that's right. Oh. That's right. That's all right. Yeah. All good. Okay, the last question. And looking at our scores at the moment, Natalie, you're on 1.5. <laughs> one and a half. <laughs> Sammy's on one and Mark's on zero. I'm mm. sorry to say, Mark. Um, um, minus one for my wrong question. <laughs> <My wrong. laughs> no, I no, don't take points away from people. The last question, my favourite, for the win. There's a team in the virtual challenge this year that uses the acronym, the following acronym as their team name, WTF. What does it represent? I know the answer to this. (laughs) Yes, you do. Come on. I do. It's not explicit. I I remember laughing about it. Yeah. I'm sure it's the one I was. I had a giggle about. Too. Mark, have you that. have you buzzed? No, it's no, I haven't. It's okay. not coming up. Anyone want to have a guess? Why the fudge? Oh, condolence. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why the condolence? Why the fudge? No, close. Okay, the official answer is where's the finish line? That's oh, it. Where's the finish? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I love yeah. it. <laughs> anyway, the scores are in. Natalie, you are our winner. 
Did well it while I was walking up a hill. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for being here. Thank you being for being part of the virtual challenge, for being on the podcast twice, not once but twice, and for supporting Rav. You're all rock stars. And um, I've had a lot of fun talking with you this year. Thank you, Sammy. It's no been Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, very much. To wrap up this episode and the 2022 season of the RAV podcast, the co-founder of RAV, Kira Lee Deer, is here to answer two questions I posed to her and to share some final words. It is a very exciting day today in the history of the Run Against Violence Virtual Team Challenge. For the very first time, I, Kira Lee Deer, have earned a gold medal in the Virtual Challenge. I've just got in from a 13-kilometre run. I hoped I'd got the maths right. And bam, there it was, my finisher certificate. I'm so excited. I only got to participate in the challenge as a participant for the first time last year. So this is my second attempt. I got my silver medal last year. I got my gold medal this year. And it's exciting to be back running some good distances. But I came in and sitting on my computer was a post-it note that I put there a couple of days ago. Jen Brown, the host of the RAV podcast, has sent me a couple of questions to answer for our last episode. I better get them done because time is ticking away and uh, I do not, I do not want Jen on my case. She is so organised and uh... so here are my thoughts on the two questions that Jen has sent to me. Question number one, what did you learn from this year's challenge? I think she means in relation to domestic and family violence. I always learn a lot (laughs) for how to run this event. I'm not an event organiser, nor is Brad. This is something that's completely um, come into our lives out of of nowhere, really. Uh, So we're learning as we go. But in relation to domestic and family violence, I, again, complete green fields for me and Brad. Um, I first became aware of domestic and family violence in our community back in 2013. And I had no knowledge at all. I, I, you know, I'm not affected by it. I don't work in the sector, absolutely starting from scratch. And that learning over the last Nine years, it is now, my goodness, continues with every conversation I have. I think it's one of those topics that you have to stay open to learning because I don't think there is a a final, an end point when you know it all because it's so complex and and the landscape is constantly changing. If I had to pick out some particular points of learning from this year, I am going to nominate Sue and Lloyd Clark and their discussion around coercive control. I've got a good understanding about what coercive control is. It's been in the media a lot over the last, say, six months, and there's been new legislation brought in in relation to it. So I understood that piece, but the question I've had in my mind the whole way along is how do you prosecute this? How do you actually get a conviction? around coercive control. I believe our legal system, our laws, our legislation exists for two reasons. One is to set the standard of the community. 
to say this is morally what's right and wrong. And then also, obviously, the legal frameworks that sit around that to say this, you know, if you do this, if you break the law, this is what's going to happen. I feel like the coercive control legislation is useful in the former, but I've had questions around the latter. And in Sue and Lloyd's interview, they started helping me understand what that might look like, what it might look like to take some of these cases to court and to achieve a conviction. We're a long way away from that happening. But the important thing is we've started that journey um, and that's an amazing piece of progress. For people who have experienced it, to feel validated that what they had lived through is real, um, that they have experienced abuse um, and that as a country at least, um, we're starting to say that's not acceptable and that's a really good thing. I guess the learning for me that's really left a big fire in my belly this time has been around numbers. I travelled down to Canberra and was very fortunate to be at the launch of the National Child Protection Week, of which the Governor-General is the patron and therefore did the formal speech to launch it. And then I got to speak with him informally afterwards for about 15 minutes or so. He really is picking up the case for improving our communities, improving the treatment of children and the welfare and well-being of children. One of the things that I wasn't aware of that shocked him was when he was, you know, he called the heads of government, relevant heads of government, in to brief him on the current state of play of our nation in relation to that area. They referred to the children in care of the, who are in you know, the care of the state as units. You know, they, I can't remember the exact numbers, but, you know, there's 25,000 units that need to be catered for in, say, New South Wales. They probably, I can't remember the exact number. But that, that idea has stuck in my mind and absolutely stuck in the gut of the Governor-General and how wrong that is, how we are dehumanising people that are already feel unseen. That same theme came up in the interview in the RAV podcast with Siobhan Mackay, how they, they being the legal aid service in Northern Territory and legal aid um, services throughout Australia who are dedicated to helping women who have experienced uh, domestic and family violence, they got together and worked out a strategy and asked the government for funding. I think she said it was $128 million worth of funding, of which $32 million was going to go to the Northern Territory. So all the people, all the organisations at the coalface had agreed that strategy because the Northern Territory is critically under-resourced. Nationally, the people involved in the work can see that and are dedicated to changing that. The former government the Prime Minister of the former government, got up and announced that he would be putting $120 million, or his government would be putting $120 million into legal aid for women. Fantastic. Great outcome. What they then went and did is applied their own algorithms, ignored the voice of the people at the front line, and as a result, the Northern Territory 
received four million of the thirty million they're hoping for, of which was agreed. Why? I guess that's the learning and my my point of uh, curiosity, of, of wonder and pondering at the moment is how can a just government do that? They represent the people. The people who are in the know, the people who are experts, who live and breathe the stuff, they've come up, they've worked together and come up with a strategy as to how they want to deal with it. The government agrees with the money but then ignores their advice. Why does this keep happening? We've seen it in the Northern Territory intervention as well. We saw it, we discussed that in the, the podcast last year. And this keeps happening. I think what is the role of RAB? This is this is our territory because this is all about the prevention of if we get things properly resourced, it stops the recidivism, it stops the ongoing pain. So while Siobhan says it's not prevention as such, the prevention space is dominating the conversation, they're in support. I think ultimately those two uh, two you know, two prongs of the same fork. You, we need both of them because they if we're not providing good legal support, if we're not providing resources and places of safety for people then the violence continues and it continues not just for that person but potentially for generations to come so we've got a role there we've got a community we've got a voice and as Siobhan said we can amplify these stories and we can say enough is enough that our government we can force our government to start listening to the people genuinely listening rather than allowing the bureaucrats to make decisions without that consultation, without that genuine listening. It's a big one, I know, but that's what I'm thinking. Okay, that's what I'm pondering at the moment. Jen, (laughs) you ask the questions, you'll get the answer. (laughs) Love your work, babe. Question number two, what am I grateful for? I am completely and utterly grateful for my family, for my friends, for my inner circle that have just continued to support this madness year in, year out because they believe in what we're doing. I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful for the RAV community in ways you guys will never, ever know. Um, 48 hours, not an even, oh, God, it felt like 48 hours, 24 hours before the challenge started, um we didn't know that if we were going to be able to actually do the event um for, through a whole heap of complex reasons race roster were struggling to deliver the mapping technology so the night before the event starts i'm laying in bed at all hours of the am thinking what do we do do we cancel the event do we postpone it do we what do we do if we don't get this map mapping functionality and um and I thought, you know what, it doesn't matter what goes on. It doesn't matter how it happens. We have to show up and we have to keep showing up. We got the technology at 4 p.m. when the event started at midnight, so eight hours before the event started. So we knew we were in for a rough landing. But the RAV community just shone. It was incredible to watch how clear People were about what was important and and just got on with it and it was brilliant. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. And also I want to thank Race Roster. They 
they're still flat out trying to make things work. I've been in business for 30 years and um, there's been plenty of times when the going's got tough or things have gone a bit pear-shaped and suppliers have ghosted me and just disappeared off the face of the earth, can't contact them or anything. Race roster have been the complete opposite of that. They have owned the problems and they have worked incredibly hard over the last few weeks to try and get those sorted out. They always say that when the going gets tough, you learn who your friends are. And we know we've got an incredible friend in Race Roster and we look forward to a very long partnership with them. The same can be said for Flourish Australia, who again did all our merchandise dispatch. I'm incredibly grateful for the fantastic job that they do each year. Right, I'm going to have to stop there. I've gone way over time. I'm incredibly grateful for all the enormous effort by Tracy Hobbs, who always is working behind the scenes to make everything work. I'm incredibly grateful for the ongoing commitment that uh, Brad shares with me to make Rav happen. And um, I'm incredibly grateful, Jen, to you (laughs) for the fantastic job you've done on the Rev podcast this year. It's moved to a whole new level. And so has this event. I now think I am jabbering on because I don't want it to end. I love this. I love this time of year, the best 19 days of the year. But we've got to go. We're done. We've already started planning for next year. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. We've got the theme. We've got our incredible young Indigenous artist that is going to design our merchandise. And there's this new thing possibly called the titanium class in the event. But you are going to have to wait until 2023 to find out what that is. So that's it for this episode and the 2022 season of the Run Against Violence podcast. The podcast will be back bigger and better next year. Until then, we would love it if you would share an episode from this season with one person or maybe your entire team. I'm Jen Brown and it has been such an honour and a privilege to host the podcast this year. Thank you for being here. Bye.